Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hey, Marketing Rebels, and Happy New Year once again. It's Fab, your Marketing BFF and Head Teacher at Old Marketing School, a modern school teaching you how to market to hearts. And today is class in session, where we bring you bonus insights and lots of data today, just stats from top marketing experts who want to make marketing more human for everybody. And I am joined by the one and only Jeremy Enns to talk about podcasting. I'm very excited because this is the replay of a panel that we had right before the end of the year. And as I mentioned to you, there are stats aplenty, literally. And one of the most interesting things we're going to talk about is actually reframing expectations about growth on podcasts and goals. Let me tell you just this, just in case you might not know it, but 90%, I repeat, 90% of shows get fewer than 10,000 downloads per episode. This is insane. And this is one of the bits that we're going to talk about from the report that Jeremy ran earlier this year. I'm really excited. I'm actually going to share a lot about our podcast plans and some lessons and also some wins that I didn't realize we actually had when it comes to the show. And I hope this can inspire you if you are revamping your podcast, if you're launching a new one. I hope this can be what drives you to actually give it a good old college try. I hope you enjoy this panel, this bonus episode right before we come back with roundups, interviews, all the good things. So many things are going to happen next year. I'm so excited. But until then, may today's class begin. Jeremy, what is your favorite category? Do you have one kind of type of podcast that you listen to for specific reasons or you only listen to one type of podcast while everybody's coming in? Yeah, no, I listen, I have, uh, because this is a marketing room we can nerd out with some uh, marketing terminology so i totally think about it in terms of like jobs to be done of like what podcast do i 
hire to do a specific job for me. Before I knew about jobs to be done, I, you know, this always existed. I certainly did this. But once I learned the terminology a few years ago, I was like, this totally aligns with why I listen to certain shows. It's like I'm in this situation and maybe I want to like change my mood or my state in some way. So I would listen to this show versus I want to do something else. And I'm, I listen to this show. So right now I've been listening to the show I've been listening to the most has been Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which is one of the best podcasts I think I've ever listened to. And so the, if for anybody who doesn't know, the premise is essentially it's like a it's, it's not live, but it's like a, a coaching call between a couple. And so Ramit is the host. He's a like he's been running a personal finance blog for 20 years or something like that. A huge blog. He had a Netflix series. And this show, it's essentially like finance, difficult finance conversations between couples who are often like super in debt or like many of them are like they have like $10 million of net worth, but they're still like comparing gas prices over like two cents difference at the grocery store. And they haven't like their mindset is still stuck in like scarcity. And it is just so fascinating. And he does such a good job. The production's like great in terms of I think it's a two or three hour interview that gets shrunk down to about an hour episode. And so it's like fast paced. The editing's like good. You don't really notice even that there's editing happening. But he's a great coach and a really good podcast host. Um, so I've been really enjoying that one lately, just on the like both both on like the personal finance like side of things, as well as the like podcast production. And he's a master marketer, copywriter, salesperson, all of the things. So it's just fun to see how he like uses the show in his business. I love that. Can you remind us one more time on the name of the pod, just in case? It's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Amazing. I am not going to give you anything as wholesome because my I have a jobs to be done perspective myself. Just in case you're new to jobs to be done team, give me a little heart if you're new to what jobs to be done means anyway. But kind of Jeremy explained it really well when it comes to podcasts in general is really about understanding comes from a product marketing perspective. You know, what is the job that people are hiring your product to do? So as a way of thinking about your product and how your audience looks for your product or uses your product with what mentality, so just to explain. Uh, but you said it really well. And I have a similar mentality when it comes to a podcast on a, on a jobs to be done perspective. So I range from fun facts, which as you can see, I love everywhere because I'm literally asking you for a quiz right now. I would go from fun facts all the way to true crime, a lot of it. And then we go all the way to very granular. Interestingly, what I found that I shifted from interviews, but based podcast, which is a bit funny when I think about mine is an interview based podcast to actual conversations, a bit like what you said about the, those coaching experiences. There's nothing wrong with uh, interviews. And we're gonna, definitely going to go into some of the understanding of our podcast and how they've shifted and you started a new show as well. So plenty of knowledge there. Yeah. But I, th I think it's interesting as, as a listener, I realized that I will tune in weekly when it's like a more casual conversation. Whereas for interviews, I'm a bit more selective about which interview I want to listen to. And I think it goes back to some of the things we're going to talk about today. It builds a different relationship with the pod. I'm not going to say too much now because you've wrote it down in our slides, so we'll get into that. I just wanted to say that. Team, before we crack on, whether you're watching live, replay, listening, all the good things, the most popular genre, according to Music Strive, is not true crime, not business, society and culture. So, fun fact for everyone. Society and culture apparently is still up. Obviously, business, comedy, and health are still very much up high, news and politics as well. Um, but it's really interesting to see the society and culture because it encompasses so many things is at the top. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first, and then I'm going to remind my lovely peeps who are we and what we are doing here as all marketing school. But I'll let you give us a bit of the tea first. 
All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And I will throw in, I just came across this fact last week. So probably society and culture is the bigger, more popular overall genre. But I think I read somewhere that I think it's on Apple. It could be on Spotify. Nine out of the top 10 shows of the past year were actually true crime. And so, and they were all, I think like five or six of them were from uh, like NBC Dateline or something like that uh, studios, which I didn't even realize they did so many podcasts, but they like five of the top 10 or something were from their uh, production studio, which is pretty cool. So yeah, then clearly like a, the, the biggest shows or at least in the top 10, lots of true crime representation there. But I think there's still way more society and culture shows as a whole, but I was blown away when I heard that fact. It's like, how is that even possible? And I mean, everybody loves true crime. Well. Many people do. So I understand those. Anyway, side tangent there. Um, so my name is Jeremy Enns. I am the founder of Podcast Marketing Academy. And essentially, I get to nerd out and talk marketing and podcasting and business with people all day, every day. And so I uh, work with people in a membership community. And I've done many uh, live cohorts over the years, as well as kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and things like that, one-on-one -on -one client work. So I got into podcasting almost eight years ago now, probably a little bit longer ago than that as a listener. And uh, I went to audio engineering school was my kind of start. So came in through the technical side. And then a few years ago, kind of moved over to the marketing side when I realized that, you know, all my clients, I had a production agency were asking me, how do you grow the podcast? And I was like, I better figure this out if I want to keep my clients. And so I started doing a bunch of research and kind of went down the rabbit hole and realized, oh, you know, as a, as a creative, I always kind of like hated the idea of marketing, but now I, I actually kind of love it. And uh, for me, I realized like marketing is the, the place I get to use all my creative talents from writing and video and audio production and graphic design and web, web build, site building and all that stuff is like meets in in marketing. It's like the Venn diagram of all these things. So yeah, that's that's the, the bit of the backstory. I mean, I also write a uh, newsletter called Scrappy Podcasting and as Fab mentioned, I'm currently have recorded one new episode. It's not released yet of a new show that's going to be coming out with a friend of mine in the new year. Very excited about that. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Little claps if you feel like. If you're if you're live, you can start using look at that team. I'm always very proud. If you can't see this, when my people clap because I say, please clap. I'm really, really proud. So thank you, team, for supporting. Hi, by the way. My name is Fab. Uh, I am the founder of Alt Marketing School. If you know us, we are a school, as it says on the tin. And we really want to help people make marketing better. And it's really funny because I was thinking about the podcast episode that I had with Jeremy, as in yourself. And we talked about what makes marketing great, great, and what can make marketing better. And at the end of the day, it's really about thinking how to serve people. So what we do, we really want to help professionals from all walks of life market to hearts, not just to brains. And that means giving you the knowledge, you know, university standards, not prices, that's what we say. We really want to give you the knowledge, the skills, but also the confidence to do great marketing, but also do it in a way that is impactful, human, and fun. And talking about podcasts, just for, to give you context about why the two of us nerd about podcasts so much, I actually realized that I did my first podcast show in 2014. What was it called? Oh my God. Maybe, oh, I don't remember. I know that the artwork, the artwork was taking the picture in my mom's bathroom, in my mom's kind of house's bathroom. And it's kind of like a cool little black and white thing, you know, and it kind of looked very edgy. But I remember that I was using my boyfriend's at the time um, gear for his music journalism stuff. And it was, everything was so scrappy, talking about scrappy podcasting. <laughs> but next level, what now we consider actually to be scrappy. That was probably high end. So I've had one podcast was about peating as well. So that's not the first one. The second was about peating. The third one was called Creative, is the Creative Impact one, which we closed down. We had about 150 episodes. And now we have a podcast for the school as well, which 
we're running towards the 200 episodes. I can see that at the finish line. So yeah, we both love podcasts. You live and breathe in one way. I live and breathe in other ways. And so today we're actually going to chat about team, a report. Yes. You can now scream from excitement. Can you hear them? You hear them like, well, reports, yes. Best thing in the world. I know. The crowd goes wild. But you should, because actually this report has been compiled by the angel that is Jeremy. And because for somebody who also compiles reports and reads reports, and most of you, dear marketers and your listeners and watchers probably will know how time consuming it can be. So what I said to Jeremy, I was like, I love the idea you got this report and I love that we can share it and I would love to share with our audience. But how about we talk about it? How about we look at some of the things that you loved about the report and what you got out of it? To answer this question, how can we launch, grow, and scale a podcast in 2024? If that is the ultimate question. So one more thing I'm going to do, especially because we have some quite lovely group of people live here today, which I love because it's pre-Christmas, so I appreciate that. Give us a heart if you haven't started your podcast yet, or give us a clap if you already have a podcast. Give us a bit of an idea. You can do it in the chats, you can do it in the reaction, whatever you prefer. You just want to kind of get a bit of an idea of where we are sitting with this. Heart if you're new, got a couple of new podcasters here, a couple of people that have a podcast. Quite, okay, a good balance, a good balance. So I'm pretty sure this will be relevant for either of you, little camps. And I'm going to start with this. And we're going to talk about what it means in a second. But 90% of shows get fewer than 10,000 downloads per episode. I'm going to give you my point of view and then I would love to hear what really jumps out at you, Jeremy, and what your thoughts are, because obviously that's part of what your report is about. And we have a client of ours, actually, that we help with our podcast as well. And we have lots of students that want to start one, so potentially there's some of you in the room. And what's really interesting when we have a conversation about podcasts is that I still think we see the big numbers from big players, which I love. So I think there's a really skewed perception of what, you know, the average downloads of podcasts and the average reach is. And so even when our client, they got her new podcast out, I had to reassure her that actually their number were pretty damn good. But because we have this idea of the biggest numbers, millions and millions and millions, I think it really bringing perspective is really important. And I love that you did that with the report as well. But that's my quote-unquote pet peeve and also reassurance for anybody who's starting out. Most of us have actually very moderate, not as bad, but very moderate, let's say, like number of downloads, especially as we're building up. And I think we don't talk about setting expectations around that enough. What are your thoughts before we dive deeper? Yeah, I think so. This was actually the the first, the new show that uh, I'm putting together with a friend is actually going deeper on the data in this report. It's kind of like an companion podcast to it. And this was the first episode that uh, that we did last week. And I think to me, the the big thing is around expectation management, I think, where when you go in and you think it's going to take me, you know, six months to hit whatever your your number is, and it ends up, you know, maybe that number is something you'll never reach, or maybe it's just going to take you a lot longer to get there. Uh, I think that's where people get disappointed, and they end up giving up and just getting kind of soured on the whole thing. So I think that that's, that's one part of it for me, is just thinking about, you know, when we when we actually know what's realistic, we're going to set goals that are more realistic for ourselves rather than say, thinking like we I have no idea what this is going to be. I assume most shows get this astronomical amount. And then when you realize and you get going for like a year or two or three years and it's still just growing so slowly, you're kind of like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this must be me. And I think that one of the, the interesting things about this number is kind of bringing this awareness that like, hey, most people never get over 10,000 downloads an episode. I think it was something like 
65% of shows or 70% of shows are less than a thousand downloads an episode. And uh, the median was something like 421 or something. And so I think when you you look at those numbers, it's like, okay, you're like getting 421 downloads an episode. Like that's that's realistic for most shows. Not to say that like that should be what you're aiming for, but also looking at like where you are in relation to the pack. It's it's helpful to know just like where other people are, because I think we all tend to assume that everybody else is doing just vastly uh, much more better than us and that we're doing something wrong because we're not getting those same numbers that we assume others are getting. I love what you mentioned that. And I also think it's very important then to map out some of the things that obviously Jeremy teaches as well, talking about what you do, which is the understanding everything else that is entailing with the podcast experience. And also I think that understanding, we'll get deeper into what it means in a second, but understanding what impacts those listens. And one of the most interesting people, so to mention him again, is we'll be bringing Jay Klaus when it comes to the growth of his podcast. That was a big thing this year was his YouTube and the podcast. And it's been really fascinating. Obviously, he's very open about sharing his experience. And it was really fascinating to see that, you know, being open about how much work and even investment he put into the podcast to make sure that he could have that reach and how much he talks about it on a recurring basis in a way that kind of works for him. So it's less about video clips, even if I know he wants to do more of that. I talked about it in one of the podcast episodes. But then also it's about reflecting on what works and what doesn't. Once again, what I said to to you team when we started, which is uh, you notice that retros almost and behind the scenes episodes work much better than interviews. So it's about having a combination of those. And I think it's about getting checking the ego at the door a bit. I'm going to go into what it means, but I just wanted to say it's about really checking the ego at the door sometimes and be, what am I seeing that actually works better? Am I willing to explore that a bit more if I do want to grow as well as keep the loyal listeners, which is amazing. Um, and that goes actually into some of the points that I would love to Jerry made when it comes to what that big number means, which I would love you to run us through as well, because I think it's so important. I'm just going to read the first bit, which I love. And it's true. A podcast is not a great top funnel tool. And I think when we read that at first, a lot of people are like, but what's, what, what, what am I going to use it for then? And I absolutely love that then you kind of reframe that for us. So can you explain a bit more just to go back into this topic? Yeah, I think I, I well, and I think partly as as marketers, depending on what your role is and what's expected of you, obviously, depending on the size of the company you might work for, you might have different responsibilities and kind of KPIs that you're uh, kind of responsible to hit that at a larger company, you might be just involved in top of funnel growth. Like that's the whole reason that like you're you're hired to like increase the the total number of people coming into the funnel or the overall awareness of the brand. Whereas more of the sales team is then on the conversion side. And obviously, like I think we all know that marketing and sales kind of go hand in hand. And as much as much as like, you love to hate each other a little bit. If you're a small team, then you're like, you are the salesperson and the marketing person. And so I think like that's I, th I think podcasts tend to work a lot better for smaller teams and like solopreneurs, because you actually can understand and do both of these things at once rather than like, big brands with podcasting, usually the sales team is not involved at all, even like it's like one person within the marketing team owns the podcast. And so a lot of times, like they're not really effective for larger brands, because you have to know how it fits. And a lot of times there's misaligned expectations. And so I think if you're looking for like a smaller team or a solopreneur type business, I think it's it's thinking about I think we all like this, you know, the big numbers seeing like I got, you know, 10 million views on TikTok or, or my email list has grown to 50,000 subscribers or whatever it is. And then, you know, that like that's all great if you can get it. But I think a lot of people focus on that and they actually don't focus on the conversion and like anything below. And they just assume if I get people at the top, like people will trickle down and that's great. And what I what 
my, this isn't really in the report because people don't really track this data, which is something I want to encourage people to track more of. And so they couldn't share it with me, even though I asked is around podcast listener conversion rates versus typical like email or social media conversion rates. And so this wasn't something in the report, but what I've heard from enough people anecdotally is that typically we have like a benchmark conversion rate of, you know, one to 2% in, in general kind of, you know, online marketing for a lot of different things. Whereas podcast listeners, I've heard from many different people now who all quote numbers between like four to 8%, which is essentially up to eight times as much as that benchmark. And so I think, you know, what this says to me, and has been my suspicion for many years is like, podcasts do a great job of turning attention that you get elsewhere into customers at a higher rate than your other marketing activities. And so I think when you look about at it that way, it's like, okay, this is never, there's way more friction. It's a way bigger time commitment to listen to a podcast than to like a tweet or something like that, or watch a 15 second TikTok. And so you're just never going to get the number of people who are willing to spend that time or who even have the time, like just from a almost like, like physical limitation perspective, like not everybody has 45 minutes every week to listen to a certain show where they might already have their one show they listen to. And that's it. Whereas everybody has 15 seconds, you can fit in a TikTok or three or four or five or 10 or whatever, like it, it expands that way. But podcasting just has way different psychology around it. And so I think for me, what I'm usually working with people on is like, okay, we've got the podcast. We've got these other things like we need to make sure the podcast is doing the job that it is most qualified and most effective at doing. And we can rely on other platforms to like introduce people to the podcast. And that's going to be a smaller number of people. But those people are more likely to become clients and customers. And so thinking about it that way, it, it changes how you think about the podcast and how you think about getting people into the podcast and even how you think about, you know, how are you using your other social media platforms and email and all these other things where you're kind of like, oh, this is like one cog of my machine that like does something really well, doesn't do everything well, that's okay. I know I'm going to need some of these other things at the same time, but we can kind of use everything for what it is best for. And the whole system kind of improves and works better as a result. So that's kind of how I think about it from a high level perspective. It's super interesting because it goes back to the shift that we have made. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to have a follow-up question to that. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to actually get into like a bit more of a vision here. So what I was thinking actually, when it comes to this is a lot of the time, once again, go back to checking that you go out the door is also understanding how do you want people to feel when they're listening to the podcast? And you kind of mentioned that. And it's a very different mentality, as you say, just from a matter even like a time commitment, 45 minutes versus 15 seconds, but also is an idea of what kind of relationship are you trying to build? And for us, for example, as our podcast, and it reflects back to all the lovely people that are here today in whichever form asking yourself, what is the main goal of your podcast? And I'm sure that you covered that in length with your students as well. Like any marketing goal, if your goal is actually to build those relationships, then it's about asking yourself, I can experiment to different formats, but which format do I feel or can I see actually builds these relationships? What are the episodes that I enjoy doing? That's something that for me is important, but that's just me. But also that our audience listens to more, they go back to, and how is it building that, as you say, that relationship? How is it bringing that warm audience to want more? I just want to say that's from our also personal perspective, we've seen a difference by doing that. And you know, we'll see it if you look at our shows. And also, for example, being very selfish, production is easier because we have less interviews mm -hmm. and we have more of these kind of conversation with me and our co-hosts, which are returning friends. So if you're listening on the podcast, we have a little heart, by the way, if you're listening on the podcast just to see if there's anybody that listens. I love Maria also, wrote that's a unique perspective. Oh, I'm glad. I'm really, really glad because I think that's that's very important too as well. Yeah, okay. Some people listen. Yay. So you will know that shift and I think it's important to say. But I have one follow-up question. This 
Because there's so many ways I think that we don't think about that we can track those conversions. However, my thing, my thinking is that the reason why it's hard for you to ask them and for them to tell you is because we don't really know how to do it yet. Like we don't know uh, the most effective way. So I'm pretty sure you have plenty, but if you can give us one way, people could say, I want to start my podcast and actually track conversion. What have you seen is one of the most effective ways for your students or yourself? Yeah. So there's, I mean, I'll, I'll give you two, two ways. One's more automated that like more technical marketers will like, and one's more easy that anyone can start with and you can add on the other one secondarily. So the first would be to just create a duplicate of, you, you, it depends on what you want to track. So a, let's use as an example, like a somehow to get onto your email. So some kind of lead magnet or something like that. Or like we have, I have one student who has an automated funnel to her course. And so she duplicated the page that has a distinct URL the only way to possibly get to that page is through the podcast. And so then she can track, okay, anybody who enters it here, I know came from the podcast and now I can track their conversion rate versus anyone coming from anywhere else. And so that would be one way to do it. You may have to duplicate a bunch of your backend stuff and there might be automations you need to, to tweak. So that's, if you're comfortable technically, that's great. And you can get great data on that. The other way to do it that's easier that may just plug into what you already have is uh, thinking about post-purchase surveys. And so you could do this for something like a lead magnet, probably you're going to have it more for an actual product. And you can ask a few different questions. Like a lot of times people will ask, and th th there's value to this, but I would ask an additional question. The, the one that people always say is like, where did you find me or where did you discover me? But, and, and that is interesting information to know. But in my experience, a lot of people won't actually discover you through the podcast, but the podcast will play an important role in their buying journey. And so what I like to ask, either in addition or instead of that question, is which of the following have you engaged with? And it's a multiple choice. You can select multiple. And so people might say, oh, I follow you on Twitter and I listen to, uh, listen to your podcast and I read your newsletter and, you know, whatever else that you've done. I've heard you on like some other podcast or something like that. And so now you can say like all of these things played a role in this person becoming a customer. And with enough data, you can realize like, oh, wow, like 80% of my customers listen to the podcast, but only 20% have followed me on Twitter. And so clearly like the podcast does more to convert people into buyers than Twitter does perhaps. And so that I think to me is, is where you can start getting some, you know, not everybody will fill out the survey and not everybody will select all the right answers, but you can start to piece together at least a rough picture of, of how the podcast and your other marketing channels are, are kind of performing and turning people into clients and customers. That is so interesting because we actually have created short links <clears throat> for all of them, all of the, the descriptions that we have in the show notes for our own stuff. And again, to the show link management, which I use for everything. So always get in there for other things, whether I need a link. And I see it myself and a couple of those pages popping up just to give obviously like some, some extra reinforcement to what you just mentioned. And they come up at top if somebody actually clicked on this. And I thought it means they actually found it from the podcast page. So you wouldn't be surprised um, just to actually say that it does work. And I know that it does, but I feel sometimes we think, but are people really clicking? And the answer is yes, especially when you have loyal listeners, if you can track that and see the listenership as well, it will be really interesting to see that. So that's a relatively simple way. And I urge people to do that from your show notes to start as well. And having those extra things, whether it's specific URLs, I have again, the, the URL shortener is the other option. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because those are two great options. And also, I think they're a lot easier to kind of think about than what we what we expect. Ready yeah. for more stats? Oh. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the one thing I'll just add on to that is it makes like so many part of the frustration with podcasting is because there is this disconnect between like, is this I, I started this to get more clients and customers, but do I don't know if it's working. So I'm going to assume that it's not really. 
And I think once you can actually see that, like, oh, people listen to the podcast and are taking action, that's one of these big, like, just motivate, like, personal motivators and confidence builders of like, oh, this is actually working. And so I can have confidence in like, I know it's hard to measure, but I, I should commit more energy and time into it. And you can, you know, if you're an employee, you can show that to your boss and say, like, look at the, our podcast listeners convert at a higher rate than anyone else, you know, send more funding my way so we can make the show even better. I think it's so important, especially because I love to listen to and hear about the big sponsorship deals that people get or that way of monetizing the podcast and growing your podcast. But also, I think once again, we forget that people have different goals. And so within that, like, it's not just about how many listeners do you have, it's how loyal they are and how mm-hmm. if you ask them to do something or to check something or they actually do it. And I generally think it builds up a conversation. And as you say, especially when there's another decision maker in the room, data, whether we love it or not, which I can do, but if you don't love data, most likely somebody in your team, whether even is your client, it will help them sometimes understand. And then you can always explain and supplement from that, talking about data. One 0.62% is the media month over month podcast growth rate. I'm going to ask you now, first of all, if anybody is live and looking at this big number, because it's a big number, 1.62%, give me a little, you can write it in the chat or you can just give me a little thumbs up if this number actually surprises you because it's, oh, it might be higher. The month over month podcast growth rate is 1.62. There are a couple, okay, there's one thumbs up. So there is actually a couple, a couple of people are surprised. It means that maybe we thought it was going to be higher. Were you surprised when you found this one out, when you found this big ass number out? Yeah, this question, this was basically the whole question that got me started thinking about this, even like a, a year or two prior where I have always measured a lot of my own metrics based on like month over month growth rate. I, I think it's a better gauge. Like it's hard to, like, you know, that somebody who's way bigger than you, they added like, 500 new email subscribers in the past month. And it's like, oh, wow, they got 500 new people. I only got like 15. Like, man, what what are they doing that I'm not? But if they have 100,000 person email list, 500 is actually a really tiny growth rate. Whereas, and if you're starting from zero, like, or, or you had two people last month and now you got 15 this month, it's like, wow, you just like exploded overnight. And so I think that like looking at month over month growth rate is a, it kind of levels the playing field to see like how quickly people are growing in relation to each other. And for me, on a lot of platforms, I like email subscribers, social media, I always felt like five to 10% was like, if you were doing growing at five to 10% month over month, you were doing really great. And sometimes you could be even above that. But if that was kind of your average in that range, it's like, that's a great place to be. And I started collecting like inside my community and from my clients looking at their month over month growth rates and kind of gathering that. But that was a fairly small sample side of maybe a few dozen people who would submit things like that. And it was very inconsistent. I think with podcasts, what you see is like, especially if you're looking at download numbers, sometimes people don't release the same number of episodes every month. And if a show has a huge back catalog, it gets kind of skewed because they have all these back catalog downloads that newer shows don't. So it's kind of hard to, to judge with a smaller sample size to see what is the average. But I kind of assumed that like five to 10% again would be, you know, a above average, but like not unrealistic growth rate. And so I was really surprised. I thought this would probably be three, 3.5%, something like that, that like five would be a little bit better than normal. But to see that it was, was this low, it kind of validated the just, you know, talking to people and seeing like how lo- low and slow growth was for, for many, if not most people. 
And it was kind of, yeah, a little bit sobering and also kind of a, an illuminating insight into, you know, this is a, I think podcasting as a whole is just a hard medium to grow. There's so much friction to getting people in for the first time that it's never going to be as easy as most other platforms. But yeah, I, I think that's was my kind of like analysis of it, but I was certainly surprised. That is super interesting. And I love what you mentioned that obviously that kind of podcast, podcasting, apologies, is slower growth by default. And we talked about expectations before, so this reinforces that. It's important to set expectations this way, and that's why I love reports like this and us being able to talk about it, because especially on a month-by-month, -month, it's so hard to see the growth. And as, it's, as, you, as we wrote down here as well, what it means is that you're not really doing worse than everybody else. Probably we're all on the same boat and we're all growing at, at that kind of range of speed. And one thing that I would say as well, that was really powerful for me too, was to actually look at yes, the month by month, which I do, like my KPIs every month, with our students from the community. So if you're a community student, hi. We do a little strategy planning every month and we do a KPIs and always I add podcasts into mine. But I was still king to the team and we did like the end of year review last week. And I realized that actually this this year we grow the podcast downloads 50% and 50%. Which is quite big because we, we do have really, really good listenership on a month by month. Don't, remind, don't ask me how, how many because that I don't remember right now, sadly. But um, I know it's about maybe like three or three, two or three thousand. It was, and we've grown it 50%, obviously within the year. But month by month, it was maybe like a bit of growth and sometimes not much. And sometimes it was actually kind of going down. But then again, you're looking at a more macro perspective and you realize actually that. As you say, Bill, the friction is there for the podcast and yeah, higher growth rates are possible, but actually a lot of the time it's more of a wave and it's kind of navigated that wave. And I think it's good to look at it month by month, but sometimes I find that actually stepping back and looking at the longer game, you might actually be more surprised. I don't know if you have the same or some of your students have the same, but I was generally surprised because I thought we haven't really grown. And I was like, wait a second, we're 50% downloads grow between yep. last December and this December. That's insane. And yeah, the average, if you translate this to the the annual average, it was 20% was the the median. And so, yeah, you're outpacing like, you know, more than double the the typical podcast, which is is also interesting to look at. And yeah, podcasts, like I mentioned there, and like you, you just said too, tend to be really spiky and erratic on a month to month basis. It's not like email feels like, because it's more, we don't have like a, a centralized subscriber count for for podcasting. It's way more listen driven. You can see subscribers in Spotify and Apple, but there's no aggregate kind of central of all platforms, like how many people subscribe. Whereas like email or YouTube, it's just like there's just this one number. And whether or not those people are active, you could make, you know, that you need to look in closer to that data because I know there's tons of YouTube channels that have, you know, two million subscribers, but their average video only gets 10,000 views. And it's like, OK, is this channel successful anymore? I would not say necessarily and same with email where you might have grown a large list but you never pruned it and you have you know 10 percent open rates and <laughs> you know that's not the the best thing so i think listens are are more indicative of engagement which is maybe a better you know kind of metric to track anyway really good point by the way for everyone definitely remember that different platforms will actually show you different kind of data and it's not always counted on some of the platforms that you're looking at even if you're using a hosting Sometimes they might actually miss some of them. For example, our, our Spotify is a bit sombering, but it's the first year that we actually started pushing it a bit more on Spotify. Uh, whereas usually it would just be the, the main website or maybe Apple Podcasts as the first mentioned. But if I'm doing just like a random one, I just like Spotify. And I'll be honest, 
it was really cute because you get the Spotify wrapped as a podcaster. So if you do launch a podcast and you have it also on Spotify, you can see your own one. And I will tell you our, just again, to keep it real, I'm not shy. I don't know if I have the number for the overall top fans that were 1%. And it's not going to be a crazy number. Actually, Jeremy, do you want to guess how many I'm going to say is it's very, very modest? What do you think is our top kind of 1%? How many people do you think we have? Very sombering. <laughs> Everybody. 50. No, 11. 11. 11, which is not obviously huge. And the, the nice thing I want to say, though, is actually shows you also how many people you have for like top 10. So top 10, we have about 100. So that was kind of nicer, but it was just nice because obviously it, it tells you that. And even if you feel, oh, 11, boo. But I was like, 11 people listen to us over anybody else. And they're not yeah. me because even I don't listen to our podcast on Spotify. So you know what I mean? Sometimes I think it's that reminder, one, that different platforms might have different type of data. But also for me, it was like, and I just wanted to go back to that element of growth. There are still some people that most likely listen to you every week. Poor things listening to me every week, rambling about marketing. But they do. And I think that's another reminder that those are the people that then can help you grow the podcast and that you know that at least you're doing it for the right reasons. So I love the fact that we can get a bit more of that as podcasters. A couple of these little like highlights and recognition, I think is really, really powerful. So it's nice to start doing it this year. So yeah. I was quite chuffed about that. Yeah, that's cool. And the other thing is like, that's, you know, Spotify's a is for most shows, less than half of your listeners are going to be in there. So you probably have, I might be closer with my 50 when you add in all the other platforms. We don't have the data, but uh, you know, I'm sure there are 50 people who AMS is the, the top show. You know what? Then we're going to double it up next year. That's my plan. Everybody, I said on the podcast, now it's here. It said it's recorded. We're going to try it. We're going to go for 50 on Spotify next year. I'm really chuffed. And also, to be honest, the other thing that has to be said is that the other thing that we forget about is that when it comes to podcasts, most of these shows, as we said, can be longer than we think. There actually can be, you know, it's hard to find a podcast that is only 15 minutes, five minutes. And there are some, but then I find that a lot of those five or 15 minute podcasts, they tend to be daily podcasts. So I think it's really also interesting to remind you when it comes to your format of some of the things to bear in mind when you are refining the length or choosing your length. I personally don't think, and we're going to get into this stat that says the 60% is the average podcast episode consumption rate. But that made me think about the fact that there's not really a right or wrong length. Some people will listen to Joe Rogan talk for three hours. That is not me, but some people do. So it, there are so many interesting reflections to make when it comes to this. What, what was interesting about the 66% as the average consumption rate for a podcast episode? Yeah, I think I'd, this was another, probably the other question that I'd always seen personal data on from my own shows and clients shows. And it was just always, people would always ask like, what, what should this be? And I was just, I had never had a real answer for it. And so this is becoming in the past couple, two years, probably I would say has become much more accessible, both Apple and Spotify and, and Google too, although they're, you know, shutting down their stuff, have displayed different versions of this data, which is a little bit annoying that they all measure different things. And so I specifically asked for Apple podcast consumption data in this question. And so it's all kind of like the same thing. We're all measuring the same thing here. And I think that this is a good benchmark when you're thinking about like, it's a good proxy for show quality and how you are keeping people engaged. And so I think a lot about, I think a, a kind of similar to how we like to focus on top of funnel even if we look at just the podcast, we again like to look at top of funnel of like, get new people in. 
And we often don't really think about like, are we keeping people around? Like, are the people who are coming in actually staying? And if you think about like, you know, the, the leaky bucket analogy, like if there's no bucket on the bottom at all, you like pour in a million people and nobody sticks around, like you just wasted all that time and energy and money getting those million people in because it, it didn't matter. They like came in, maybe they listened to one episode, maybe they listened to 30 seconds and they're out. And like, that doesn't really do anything for you unless you manage to have like sponsors or something like that to get those, you know, technical impressions, but not, you know, real quality listeners, which I don't think most of us, that's the necessarily the game we're playing. And so I think like just as important as getting new people to the show is keeping the people like hooking and retaining them. And so I think that that's what this stat starts to get at is looking at like, okay, when the people come in, are they sticking around through the episodes? And this is, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, an interesting kind of like stat to look at because it's it's going to be weighted by like some people are going to listen right through to the end. So there's probably a lot of people who do listen right through to the end. And then there's some people who listen for like, you know, five or 10 seconds. They're like, oh, or maybe they like mistakenly press play on the episode and that kind of drags the average down. So I think that like of actual like listeners, listeners, I think this number is actually probably quite a bit higher, but it's being pulled and skewed by people who like come in, listen, they're like, eh, no, this show isn't for me in the first you know minute or two but again like that's also an opportunity to you can improve this number by saying like okay how can i hook people in the first minute to get them listening through the first 10 minutes and once they're that far they're they're probably listening to the whole episode that is really important and something that we have learned as well understanding how to set the tone and finding that balance and whether you want to just want that whether you want to really get new people in at first and you only want to do episodes like that we find for example that we have a good balance of if it's more like a conversation or an interview, then we tend to have a bit of a kind of very clear introduction that says this is what's in it for you. But when is the usual weekly podcast? I don't bother. We just start with, hello, welcome back. And this is us and this is thing. Because that's almost that kind of choice of this is more for people that are a bit more familiar and they just want to hear the conversation. And I think it's a choice that you made over time. And I wanted to mention one more thing on this note, which is before we dive a bit deeper into this again, because it's really fascinating as a number that we have changed our podcast as a format slightly, not huge changes all the time, but that's more in the past 18 months than we've done maybe in the last three years mm. because we have started to see those patterns. So they do matter. I just want to say if you feel it can be a bit overwhelming or if you feel is it really worth it, it is, because we have seen, again, that surprising 50% growth overall, which I wasn't expecting. But it makes sense now because we started understanding what do our audience actually want to listen to? Where, as you say, do we lose them? And how can we build that relationship based on what the expectations are? So there is power in that. And it might be that you're starting out and you don't need to think about it just right now. But because we're always worrying about what to track, it's always about can you actually track the consumption rate? If you cannot on your hosting platform, there's another matter. But I think it's important to think about that as well, because like that retention piece can be so powerful, not just from a client perspective, but also when it comes to sponsors. And I think interestingly, the whole marketing sphere as a whole, which I'm really happy, is actually focusing more on that retention piece in general as mm -hmm. conversation, which I think goes back into that relationship building. And I actually have a question for you on this note, because that was actually really interesting. What do you think is... One way that you have noticed, whether from a podcast you listen or your clients or your students, that podcasters are starting to try and test different ways to actually make the podcast more of a community, to actually get their listeners more into that conversation. Because I'm interested in that because I see it some ways 
I've seen it more in COVID and I think that made sense with the pandemic. People had a lot more time, but I still see that not done enough. And I think there might be a place for that, for that co-creation or that, you know, making them more proactive so they can take next steps. Yeah, I think I was just having a, a conversation about this with a new client who, who joined my program last week. And it was a fascinating, like he has a really big show. It's actually about Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings. And so it's kind of like a more entertainment style show. The business, it's a fully like ad supported show. And so like the podcast is the business. And I think they do a number of episodes a week. I think they've spun off some other shows kind of in the similar kind of like, you know, cryptids, mythical creatures type space. And he was saying like, they, I can't remember what his, his downloads were for the show, but it was tens of thousands per, certainly per week, if not per episode. So doing really well. One of the the bigger shows out there. Um, and he's saying they get just zero engagement. They get great downloads, but like getting engagement has been like pulling teeth. And he mentioned that his suspicion, he didn't use the, the phrase jobs to be done, but I, this is kind of what the idea he was getting at was like, it's like, I just don't think people want that from this show. It doesn't seem like it. Like, it just seems like they want to listen. They're in their car. They want to like, you know, unplug and just like hear these, this like wild story about, you know, this guy who saw Sasquatch or got in a fight with Sasquatch or whatever happened with Sasquatch and that they're not really looking for a community beyond this. They just want like an entertaining story. And I think like true crime can be a little bit similar. I think there's some fan bases that get really in like, and some shows like they build a community of people trying to solve the case. Whereas others, like people just want this, like it's escapism. And they're like, all I want is to be entertained. And I think, you know, if you think about TV shows and and movies, it's like, I mean, there's this added layer of celebrity that we know we're not going to go get in touch with, you know, Brad Pitt or whoever and be like, oh, hey, Brad, I really loved you in that last movie. Like, let's let's hang out online. Um, probably many people would want that, but we don't actually expect that's going to happen. And it's just kind of like, oh, we consume this in a certain way. I have a certain experience. And that's that's that. And I think that that happens everywhere. But I think by nature of podcasting very much happening while we're doing other things, like by the time we come back around to where we're actually like at our computer or, and I know we always have our phone, but we're in a different mode a lot of times where we might be driving or running or working out or, you know, whatever it is. And we're not like ready to like engage with the community and we may not want that. So I think it's a real, there's, it's, I, I think it's partly a structural challenge of podcasting and like part of the platform psychology of the medium that it's a little bit hard to overcome. Usually what I try and coach people on it's like pick one defined engagement platform. And so like probably, well, maybe most of your audience isn't going to engage. Uh, and and, and uh, that's probably true in, in any community. Actually, I think it's like typically only 1% of any audience actually is active contributors and like 10% are occasional contributors and 90% are basically lurkers. And that's like actually normal for, for communities as a whole, which is like, that's another stat that when you like hear that, you're just like, whoa, like I'm not doing anything wrong. This is normal. Like that, that only, you know, 1% of people actually engage regularly, Like that's normal. And so I think thinking about like, okay, for that 1%, like, let me just gather them in one place. So I'm not having to manage like this one conversation over here and one over here and three over here. It's like, okay, now we've got like all five or in this one place. And I think when you do that, you start to build this like little loop where it's like, oh, now you're getting more engagement there. And so maybe your posts and content is like showing up a little bit more in, in not only the, the algorithm for introducing new people, but other people who are already your followers who may listen to the show already. And that just starts to like feed itself a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so I think that's how you actually start to grow that engagement more broadly. And the one thing I would say beyond that is that usually people tend to wait for engagement to come to them. And I would recommend starting the engagement in the first place. And so if you know, let's say you just know you have these five listeners who have 
DM'd you at some point in the past related to the show. You're like, okay, I don't really know these people, but I know that these five people do listen to the show regularly. I would just start engaging with them. Like, let's just use Instagram for an example. Just go comment on their post, like their post, like start the relationship that way. And it almost guarantees that they're going to start, you know, reciprocating for you. And probably also once you have this interaction, then your posts are going to show up more regularly in their feed. And again, you can kind of start the ball rolling. But I would um, take the initiative, start it off, like pick that one place. And I think that's a good way to start building out that engagement kind of on one platform. And hopefully it grows in time. That is like a great, great reframing. And I think it's really important that we mentioned that as well, because once again, the, I think that can feel there's a lot to do on the podcast, which will lead me to our final start of the day. And so just if you want to use as a community builder is also, again, going back to the question, what can I do? What, how much time have I got for this? And how is this going to benefit my pod as well? Which leads me to one final stat. Team, if you're still here, hello. Give me a little heart if you're ready for the final stat, because I'm excited about stats. I am weird. It's okay. Whoa! Everybody, we have one lonesome heart. One more. There's one. I'll throw in a heart there. A couple. T- Tim is giving us heart highs. Tim is like, not only I'm giving you hearts, I am ready for all of it. Give me all the stats. Well, this is the best one because it's about time. And I love talking about time. Because there's something that I call time smorphia, which I mentioned in my book. There she is. Little cute there. Reclaim your time off his back. That's my book. And I talk about time dysmorphia in the book, as in, I think we often underestimate the amount of time that it takes us to do anything. And like, it's really interesting how much time actually it takes. Talking about Jake Klaus that I mentioned earlier, his case study that he talked about across podcasts and newsletters, how much time actually we need to produce and market our podcast. And Jeremy very kindly was with us in our earliest quarter of the year to talk about AI. And we kind of went into a bit of that kind of production element and automations also for podcasts on that. But I genuinely think that this sat is so interesting, two hours a week more than the highest growth show spent on production and marketing. So an extra two hours a week, that's for me is huge, especially if you are doing that all yourself, if you're marketing everything yourself, if you're not just focusing on your podcast, that is absolutely huge. So what are some of your reflections from this final number? Yeah, so it was interesting that the majority of that time, my expectation going in, and this is something that you hear a lot of people talking about, like if you want to grow faster, like you just need to spend more time on marketing and do more kind of marketing growth oriented activities. And I think that's true. But what was interesting was that it wasn't like the, the highest growth shows did spend more time on marketing, but it wasn't crazy. Like the majority of that two extra hours a week was actually on the production side of things, which was was really interesting to me. So that just seems to suggest that like, okay, like quality really matters here. And I think that as the bar gets lower for creating podcasts and, and any content, like the quality just matters more. And, and going back to the Jay Klaus thing, I know like this is something that he's talked a lot about from both when he launched the podcast in the first place, there was already a lot of like creator podcasts out there but he was like i want to make like the best production quality podcast and that's going to be the differentiator and so he went for this more like narrative style approach with these like interstitial breaks like it was much more production heavy but you listen to it and you're like wow this is like a, a different experience than just a standard interview that i've listened to on some other show and then same when he launched youtube it was like he his kind of thesis was like for this needs for this to be successful like it needs to be for like video first really high production quality, really tight editing, lots of graphics, things happening. It's not just like putting up the Zoom call on uh, YouTube and that being sufficient. 
And so I think that like the people who tend to to grow fast do value, you know, the time investment in it. And I think a lot of people that I've talked to and and even worked with over the years, like are always trying to look for like, how can I make this take as little time as possible to get the results, which I think that's our, all of us want. And I think that's a smart way to approach it to some extent. Like, I, I don't think we should be spending more time than we need to on everything that we're doing. But I think a lot about sometimes, I think a lot about this from like luxury brands. And you think about like luxury brands, products, anything are luxurious to some extent. You, you could just dissect this for a long time, but because there's like superfluous touches that are not practical or necessary, it's like they've gone above and beyond. They put more attention into detail than needs to be there. And I think about that a lot of the time when it comes to design and things like that, where like, I know I, I love design. I'm not a designer, but, but I have like learned to design well enough that I am can be dangerous. And I love doing it. It's like my almost my favorite thing in my business where like when I get to play in Figma or Photoshop or website building, it's just like that's one of the oddly one of the few places like I actually feel flow and like a whole day will go by and it's great. Maybe I should have been a designer. But like I know that that's one of the things I love. But I also believe that part of me thinks like this is wasted time. But also I get enough feedback from people like, oh, your stuff just always looks so good and so legitimate. And one of my beliefs is that there have been a lot of brands and podcasting. This is changing a bit now with more money coming in. But when I got started in podcasting, everything looked terrible. Like there was no design. And I was like, no, I am going to build a brand that has great design, that like looks slick, that feels high quality, that gives off this vibe that like this is a premium experience. And I think like the part of my mindset is like, I want my writing to feel like that. I want my courses to feel like that. I want working with me to feel like that. Like that's part of my brand DNA to some extent. And so I think, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, like they actually is about picking those places, like, where am I going to go above and beyond? And if the podcast is a core part of my business, and I want this to be something that really grows the audience rather than just like, is this sales enablement channel, which is totally fine. It doesn't need to bring in tons more new people. It's just like this thing that accelerates people in turning them into customers. But if you're like actually looking to grow the show, that may be something where it's like, okay, then I'm going to need to put in more time than might seem reasonable into this thing and more time than other people are doing so that, you know, the, the finished product is going to be better. So those are kind of like some of my thoughts around it. And I think it just depends, like, what do you want to get out of this? And, you know, how does that kind of co collide with how much time you have and energy and resources? I think that's so important. I'm just going to like iterate one more thing here because it's very interesting that you brought it up. It's understanding also, as I said before, maybe a gazillion time team. How do you want your podcast to be perceived? What do you want it to feel like? And once you can identify that and really understand that, then is is the idea of, is it more of a talk show? Is it more of a conversation? Because I know a podcast that actually have maybe a simpler production in one way, but then what the work goes in is, for example, True Crime Obsessed. Let me know if you know it. Uh, let me know in the chat or give me a heart in the <laughs> reactions. I love it. True Crime Obsessed obviously says what it, what it does, what it says in the tin. But it's very simple. Obviously, they're in a podcast booth. They do some TikTok snippets, very, very simple. But the main thing is that the research is done by watching all the true crime shows and documentaries and all this stuff. So that's where the time goes to make the podcast unique and the higher quality for it. So I'm going to go a bit, not contrarian, but I'm going to make that point of, for some podcasts, maybe it's less about that element. And it's more about how can the podcast be true to you? And if you're making a big part of your business, how can you make it the best that it can be at what it does? You know, I think that was a big thing for us, for example, just to talk about one of our, finish off on my side on one of our 
lessons, I guess. And then I want to ask um, Jeremy one of his lessons, whether it's from your students, maybe, and clients. But from our podcast, one of the biggest lessons was that actually people don't care as much about the production, the video production of our podcast as we thought they would or have it structured. It's not not working, but it hasn't been working as well as those goddamn conversations that I have that are a lot more organic. So I had to kind of put my little, just like yourself, designer and perfectionist brain at bay and be like, how can we make the podcast the best that it can be for the audience, how they want it? What do they want out of it? And that means potentially simplifying it and making the production a bit easier so that we can bring them what they expect the podcast to be more because I'm happy with that as well. That's the other thing. If you, if I was hating it, probably I wouldn't do it anymore, but I'm happy with that. And I welcome that. So I just wanted to mention that to go on the other side of be understand how your podcast can be the best it can be at what it does because then you market it more, you talk about it more and actually serves the people more. That was my lesson and it's proven so far to actually be kind of successful. So I know we're doing the right thing. What about yourself? Maybe from your new experience with the podcast, maybe from your clients, maybe from your students. What was one lesson that came up for you? Yeah, I think kind of to build on your point and this, I I almost mentioned this earlier, but there's, so I'm, there's this new show that I'm working on, but there's actually another new show that I'm working on that both of these, both of these will be like short run series, I think, or the, the one that I'm doing with my friend Justin around this uh, report, that's going to be a 10 episode series. And so then it's going to be done and we'll do it again, maybe next year after the, the next report. So it's not like I'm starting two shows that are going out every week. And this other one, I think is going to be somewhat sporadic. I don't think it's going to be a weekly show. It's going to be like a, when I have an episode, I'm going to drop it there and I'm going to use it elsewhere in my marketing. But with that show, that second one, essentially, it's going to be a actually very much inspired by the I will teach you to be rich podcast. It's going to be like a podcast marketing coaching call. And so I don't think the production is going to be very heavy on this at all. I think there's going to be some editing required to keep it succinct, but I'm not going to get super in the weeds with anything. I want it to be kind of organic and natural and feel like an actual coaching session. And the reason is like, essentially what the, the setup is going to be, it's going to be like, uh, probably, I think I'm going to start with two hours. I might one day like move it to even like a three hour coaching session. It would be free open to people from my list. And this is like the only way you could get free coaching from me. And you have to agree, like you're going to share your revenue numbers, your podcast downloads, even, like you're going to share all the data and we're going to like actually get an honest look and we'll talk about this like I would coach anyone. And then probably I'll turn that into, you know, a 60 to 90 minute finished episode. And so that's kind of the setup of the show, but production doesn't really matter to me because this is really, and growth doesn't really matter to me. Like this is for somebody who's already in my audience considering working with me, but wants to kind of, they probably don't even have the thought in their mind, but probably there is some objection of like, I think with, with coaching, this is one of those things and consulting, you don't know what you're going to get. There's not really a clear deliverable because you don't really know what the problems are often until you really get into working with someone. And so they're like, yeah, you know, sounds pretty expensive or, you know, whatever. I'd like to work with Jeremy, but I don't know. But I think somebody who has seen watched through five or 10 episodes or 20 episodes of me coaching and helping other people get breakthroughs and plans around their marketing is then has a much better sense of like, wow, like this, I, this is really what I need. Like I need somebody to be able to do this for me and I can't do it myself. And so the goal for me is not about like creating this like super tight produced, you know, anything like that. It's actually to keep it kind of raw. And it's more of like an internal podcast for within my ecosystem rather than something that I'm going to be marketing and trying to get new listeners in. Like probably I won't even talk about it except for people who come onto my email list and it's going to be in the welcome sequence. I'll talk about it, you know, regularly, but I'm not going to go necessarily promote it a ton on social media or anything like that. That is super interesting because again, it goes back to what we talked about, hopefully as everybody got it, throughout the whole conversation, which is 
how can you make your podcast or podcasts or the show fit you and actually maybe step back and be like, okay, some people have 10 millions of a gazillion millions of people and you know and listens and that's the kind of growth they want and it's really about brand awareness first of all i also found it's a compound it's a bit like investments it's a compound growth yeah. like the people mm-hmm. that i do admire that have really huge shows they are on a piece of 700 but then you also see within them there's the element of experimentation maybe trying something new maybe shifting their show to actually tap into their goals a bit more and i love that you mentioned that for us as well i think it's really really powerful um, and team, like so many stats, so little time. But guess what? We are factored out and stats out. <laughs> but we did it. And hopefully this inspires you just to kick off your podcast in 2024 and really make the most of it and make it yours in whichever way you want. Before we leave, Jimmy, remind us again where people can find out more about you. Yeah, so I just dropped the link to the report. It's a bit of a long URL in the the chat if you want to go see all the stats that we don't have time for it to get into today. But yeah, the best place to, to find out about me is podcastmarketingacademy.com. And uh, I think my email is on there. So you can send me an email if there's anything you want to chat podcasting about. Uh, I'm currently less than I have historically been active on Twitter and LinkedIn, but looking to get back into more of both of those in the new year. So feel free to connect with me on both of those. And I, I think after a break, it's time to, to actually dive back in. But I will say like taking the break from social media was like kind of needed. And also the sky didn't fall and I'm, it was the exact right decision. And I feel really recharged and a lot of like, I had tons of marketing successes without it. So I was really glad I did that. Just, I know lots of people have that fear that like, if I stop being consistent on there, everything's going to crumble. And for me, I focus more on email. I did a bunch of internal kind of upgrades to my product ecosystem, things like that, that I wouldn't have had time for otherwise focused more on collaborations and still ended up growing, ended up selling more products and services. And it was, yeah, a, a very useful experiment. I love that. I, and it's one of those things that I noticed that so many of our students as well and listeners and obviously people that have been kind of joining us have been doing as well. Like less but better. That's been my mantra and I keep talking mm-hmm. about it for the whole December and the whole January is going to be what I'm going to talk about because that's my mantra for 2024. So I love that you mentioned that. Thank you so, so much. And as always, yes, one more time, be kind to yourself and others. And remember that true marketing speaks to hearts, not just to minds. And until next time, thank you so much. Class dismissed.